the conflict between belief and unbelief, the raising of Lazarus. It's a great story. It's the last sign recorded by John. After this, you learn of the effort to put Jesus to death, the weak that we call the week of his passion comes in these chapters following. This is the last sign. It brought the conflict between belief and unbelief to its final climax before the crucifixion. You have two things in this story. On one hand, you have people who believed in Jesus. Many, according to the record, believed in Jesus. On the other hand, you have the chief priests and Pharisees who say in verse 48, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. So you see the seeds planted in their heart to destroy him. You have people believing, you have people wanting to get rid of him. Which brings us to a very up-to-date possibility. You can believe or you can let each fresh revelation of Jesus Christ harden you and cause you to want nothing to do with him. Every time we gather together, every time the gospel is preached, you have those two possibilities. You have the possibility of people who will receive and believe and move with him. You have the possibility of people who will harden their heart and shut him off. And that's exactly what happens in this passage. I believe that if the latter group, the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priests, could come back today and speak to you as I'm speaking to you, they would probably quote to you a song from the hymn book. Don't turn him away. He has come back to your heart again, although you've gone astray. Oh, how you'll need him to plead your cause on that eternal day. Don't turn the Savior away from your heart. Don't turn him away. I believe they would variably shout the fourth verse to you. Now is the time to receive him. Grant him admission today. Grieve him no more. But open your door and turn him no longer away. That's what they would tell you. There is sadness in eternity. In Luke 16, the rich man died and went to hell, and there was sadness there. He pleaded with Abraham to allow Lazarus to go and warn his brothers who were still alive. He didn't want his brothers to go where he was. Which camp will you be in today? Will you be in the camp that is believing and trusting and following or in the camp that is getting farther and farther away from Jesus and reality and walking and fellowshipping with him? Three steps in my message to you this morning. The first having to do with our disappointments. In this passage of Scripture, Martha, Mary, the disciples of our Lord are filled with questions. Here is one of them. Lord, why did you tarry? 
If thou hadst been here, my brother would not have died. Life is filled with disappointments. Martha had tremendous disappointment. You see, messengers had come to Jesus when he was in Perea, east of the Jordan, with the news that Lazarus was sick. But upon receiving the news, he stayed two more days in that region. He did not move to where Lazarus was at Bethany. Martha, Mary, the others were now asking, Why? Why did he tarry? Why didn't he come immediately? As I search the Scripture, I find some answers. Verse 4 is one. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. There's one answer. For the glory of God. Greater good could come out of his death and his resurrection then could come out of healing him in his sickness. And that's something we always have to leave with the Lord. Then, down in verses 14 and 15, there's another indication. Jesus said to them, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not here. Here's reason too. That you may believe this is why Jesus tarried. He wanted to strengthen their faith. There's a third reason, I believe, and that's recognized in the 35th verse, which is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. His love. He wanted to manifest his love. Love that allowed the sickness and death of Lazarus and love that brought him back to life again. He wept. He hurt when they hurt. And he related to their hurt through his tears. He wanted to manifest the glory of God before their eyes. He loved them. So when you sit here in church hearing the preacher preach and you're filled with disappointment, you're filled with hurt, remember Jesus knows. And remember this, he has a reason to have you where you are. If thou hadst been here, how many times have we said it to him ourselves? If thou hadst been here, I would have resisted temptation. Well, Paul, through the word of God, says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that, which you are able, but will with a temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. There is not a temptation that faces us that we don't have the promise of power to withstand and to make it through with flying colors. How many times have we said, if I had lived in those days and had actually seen the miracles of Jesus, I would be able to trust him. 
Jesus says in John 20, 29, Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. If thou hadst been here, I would not have had to go through that sorrow or that trial. James 1, 3 and 4 speaks to you. The trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. The Lord doesn't want us going around carrying baby bottles, sucking on nipples in our adult life. He wants us to be mature. He wants us to move from milk to meat. And he says to us, let patience have her perfect work. Everything you're going through is for a purpose. I want you to become perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So you have to go through this in order to become strong. I had to let Pastor Rick run his bicycle at least a dozen times into that big bush at the end of our driveway in order for him to learn how to ride a bike. And he went into it every time, smackle right into the middle of it. He would get up crying and I would put him right back on the bike and send him down the drive again because he had to learn how to ride that bike. Now, it's all right. So that's the way it is with us. God works through the circumstances that he allows to come to perfect us and complete us in him. We ought not to shake our fists in his face and say, if thou hadst been here, he was there, and it was he who was leading you all the way. Hallelujah. So often I think we're like the lady who didn't have any money for her rent. And so she locked her door and there was a knock on her door and she thought it was the landlord to correct, uh, collect the rent. It happened to be one of her friends who heard that she was in this dire situation and he determined to put money in his pocket and take it to her for her rent. There he was at the door with the money in his pocket, with the rent. And she wouldn't open the door. He beat on it because he heard things inside. He thought he heard the, the footsteps of the woman in the apartment, but she wouldn't open the door. He kicked the door even, trying to get her to come and open the door, and she wouldn't open the door. So he walked away with the money in his pocket. Later, he met that woman and said, why wouldn't you come and open the door when I knocked at your apartment some time ago? And she, with astonishment, said, was that you? She said, I thought it was the landlord to collect my rent when he said it was your friend with the rent money in his pocket. That's the way it is many times with our relationship with God. We lock the door. And we won't open the door and let Jesus Christ come in and take care of the need. If thou hadst been here, well, he was there. And we wouldn't open the door and let him in. Well, many people think that the dealings of God are going to smite them. But he stands at the door with mercy and grace ready to pay our debts if we'll let him in. 
So deal with your disappointment on the same way he dealt with Martha and Mary and the others. As we move from disappointment, we come to assurance, step two in our study, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Now, friends, you've got to see this. She made the doctrine like we make the promises of God, either past or future. When the Spirit of God wants us to make them present tense, I know that he'll rise again. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Messiah, who will come. But what did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus brought them right back to the present moment by saying, don't look to the future. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, what he could have done in the future, he was able to do right then, and they didn't see it. They didn't believe it. They weren't embracing it. So he sought to bring them from the disappointment of his delay to the assurance that what he had promised in the days to come, he could perform right then if they had faith, if they would but believe. Anyone who makes the promises of God present tense will receive their benefits. Do you read the Bible as though it were a letter from God for you today? Or do you read it as though it were something off in the future somewhere or something of history past? You've got to read it for your edification today, right now, this particular moment. And when you interpret the word of God for today, that this is a word for me right now, that God is speaking to me through this right now, you will have the assurance to make your way through your disappointments, but not before you appropriate it for the present moment. I got a book just the other day. I brought it to the platform this morning because I want to tell you a story out of this book. It's called The Church in China by Carl Lawrence. It's an incredible book of the time of persecution in China under Mao Zedong. And it just almost makes you weep to read it. The story is just, it's incredible what man does to man. And I, I don't think that I could even tell some of these in the pulpit. It would just, it's gross. I was reading one of a, a, a school teacher who prayed for her lunch at school, and they said, you can't do that. Even though there was religious freedom in the Constitution, they said, you can't do that. The revolution was on, and they put her in jail for three years for praying at lunch. After three years, they brought her again and said, will you denounce this Christ and stop praying? She said, no, I can't do that. Put her back in for three years more. Hard labor. Brought her out after six years. Said, will you denounce this and stop praying? She said, well, no, it's impossible. Put her back in for five more years. After five years, they brought her out again. Said, will you denounce this? No, they were so angry, they sentenced her to 15 years. 
When you add it all up, she spent 26 years at hard labor for praying at lunch. And story after story, just unbelievable. The one story that touched my heart, which fits my point here, was of a 19-year-old girl who loved Jesus. The revolutionary forces arrested her, beat her viciously, threw her into a dungeon. She said, I know it was underground because I could feel myself going down and it was dark, threw me into a cell and she said, I couldn't see but I could smell and I could feel and she said, I knew I was lying in the excrement from people who had been in there before me. Blood was running down her arm. She was swollen badly from the beating. There was no bed. The only place for her to rest was in the excrement and the filth of that cell. Day after day, she prayed. Day after day, she sought God's help. Finally, one day, she prayed, O oh Lord, how can I serve you in this condition? How can I serve you in this place? When God gave her an idea, she called for the guard, and she said to the guard, Sir, will you give me some hard labor to perform? He looked angrily at her, and before he could speak, she said, These cells are filthy. Give me a bucket and a brush, and let me go into all these cells and clean them out. I'd be pleased to do that. And so they brought her the bucket and the brush. And she went from cell to cell on her hands and knees cleaning up the excrement, looking into the faces of people more dead than alive, skeletons. And as she looked into their eyes, scrubbing their cells, she would tell them about Jesus Christ and his love. And to make a long story short, every last person in that prison accepted Jesus because of the work of this 19-year-old girl. It made the authorities angry because the whole tide changed instead now of fighting with the authorities. They were loving the authorities. When they would beat them, they would sing. When they would try to get them to curse, they would bless them. And the leader of that prison brought this young lady before him. He was filled with anger over her. And they beat her again and thrust her back in her cell with a pile of paper and a pencil and told her to write why she should be submitted to the revolution. As she sat there with her body again broken and bleeding, she said, Lord, what can I write? She picked up the pencil and her hand began to write and it began to fly across the pages as the Spirit of God gave her what to write and she filled every page and gave it back. Then she was called in before the tribunal because she had written the story of salvation from beginning to end. And this man was just livid. And he said, listen to what this girl has written. And he read it. And as he continued to read, he got slower and slower and more quiet. 
and more quiet until he had finished, and a silence swept over that group, and they were obviously moved by the message of her Savior and of salvation. Now, what would you have done in that situation? Anyone who makes the promises of God present tense will receive their benefits. We have not the right to complain. We have not the right to argue with God and say, God, you haven't been fair with me. You haven't been fair in your dealings with me, God. Look where I am. Look what I'm feeling. Look what I'm going through. This girl said, Lord, what can I do for you in this place? It's amazing what happens when we open the door and give God a chance. So Martha and Mary are being led from their disappointment to assurance. And now from assurance to victory, which is where we all want to be. Jesus said, finally, roll away the stone. He could have done it by his miraculous power, but as in most miracles recorded, he asked them to do something before the miracle happened. You ever noticed how that works? Pick up the rod, put your foot in the water, do something, break or bring me the loaves and the fishes, and he broke them and distributed them. They had to bring him the loaves and fishes. The blind man we talked about last week, go and wash the mud out of your eye in the pool of Siloam. You've got to do something. And neighbor, there are some of you here that are just a footstep away from a miracle of God in your life, but you've got to get up and do something. That's why we invite people to the altar to give their lives to Christ, because the devil on Monday will try to take away from you everything that happens here in these next few minutes. But you have been down here. You have heard the word of God. You've responded to it. You have prayed the prayer of faith. You have received the miracle of God in your life. And that public witness seals that which the Holy Spirit has promised to you through the word. But he asks you to do something. In this story, he didn't just bring Lazarus back to life. He said, go and roll that stone away. So they went and took the stone away. Was it without protest? No. Martha was still there. She said, Lord, he stinks. <laughs> oh, we like to dictate to God how everything's going to be. Just real nice, real smooth. And uh, these folk were just like we are. Lord, you can't do... Now, Lord, he's been dead four days. You take that stone away, we're all going to get sick here. He stinketh. <laughs> Most everything that needs the Lord's touch stinks. But it doesn't bother him. Praise God for that. Do you want to get up out of it and get well, or are you just going to sit there in the smell? So he paid no attention to her. Thank God he pays no attention to us sometimes. If we got what we deserved, 
None of us would be here today. Martha protested. But I have found you've got to get the thing out in the open for God to faithfully deal with it. Haven't you found that? Once you're honest and open and you deal with it that way, then he's able to heal it, touch it, but not until. So he just moved right ahead. If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. You see, with the Lord, believing is seeing. With us, seeing is believing. That's our problem. Believing is seeing with the Lord. And that's the way it's got to have. It's got to come to. It's got to be that way in our lives. Believing is seeing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you do not yet see. If thou wouldest believe, you could see the glory of God. And so he demonstrated before them his power. Lazarus begins to move inside all those grave clothes. I've been down in that grave. They say this is Lazarus' tomb where you go down all these stairs. I've, I've been there several times. I even laid down in it once just for fun. We reenacted it. And I said, now, somebody say what Jesus said. Lazarus, come forth. And I got up. And the flash bulbs just popping like mad. Boy, when you're there doing it, it's something else. The hair just stand up on the back of your neck. Here's this mummified-looking thing inside this grave starting to wiggle, move. He's trying to find a peephole through all of those bandages. And they're just standing there with their mouths open, doing nothing. So Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And they just almost faint at what they see in front of them. And some bold soul finally moves up to him and cautiously starts taking the bandages away. And his eyes are open and he's smiling and he's got good color. And it's Lazarus. He looks like he's been to... Hawaii for a month. <laughs> the glory of God filled the place. The prayer of Jesus in verses 41 and 42 is not an ordinary prayer. It was a thanksgiving for prayer already answered. I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people I said it. It was a thanksgiving for what he had already provided. So they could hear me, I've prayed it, Lord. Elijah on Mount Carmel, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if not, follow Baal. Then in verse 36 of 1 Kings 18, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am your servant. Why did Elijah pray that way? He knew it was already done. He knew that God had already heard the prayer and he was thanking him that he was going to be made known before all of those prophets of Baal. I say to Sacramento today, watch the miracle. Look at the power of God as people get up to be free in Jesus Christ by faith. If thou canst believe, thou shalt see the glory of God. But you've got to get up. You've got to act. Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. 
How did that work, Nels? Back by the Mississippi River, this time of the year it gets real cold. The river freezes years and years ago before our highway system. A man came to the Mississippi and he had to get across and it was frozen. He was very cautious, got down on his hands and knees, spread-eagled himself on the, the river, the ice, made his way carefully, distributing his weight as best he could out over the ice so he would not fall through. When he got halfway across the river, he heard singing behind him, and he turned his head to see a man riding in a carriage with a load of coal drawn by horses right across the ice. And he lay there freezing in the middle of the river. That carriage went by like wind. And he was on the other side in just a moment. Carrying horses, carriage, man, and coal. While he's out there, very timidly, distributing his weight on that ice. I can see it, and it's not unlike we are in our approach to God. Are you standing on the promises, or are you inching your way, afraid that they won't carry you, afraid that they won't hold you up, afraid that they won't fulfill what you have need of? I'm suggesting you get bold today. These promises have stood for years and years and years and years, and they will stand according to their own testimony as long as God endures. They will never fail. And if thou canst believe, get up, stand on them, move out, You'll see the glory of God for your family, for your finances, for your own spiritual walk, for your business, for your neighbors. Oh, church, hear me today. God is looking for a church of faith, a church that will believe. And when we will believe, we will see his glory. And the dead will be unbound, and they will be free to follow in his footsteps. And there will be testimonies of victory and release and glory, not questioning what God has done or has brought into our lives. That's the story of John 11, the conflict between belief and unbelief. Could we help free you today in the conflict? With our heads bowed, please. Lord Jesus, a lot of us came into church crawling on the ice, afraid that it would crack and we would fall. But we want to go out of here on top of it, riding with horses and in victory and power.
knowing that it will not fail us, that we will make it to the other side victoriously. Lord, lift the faith level. May people believe and may the shout that was heard in that dungeon centuries ago be heard again. Loose him and let him go. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have come to church today in need of a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Cole, I'm reaching out. I, I want to believe today. Would you lift up your hand and hold it there because I want to pray for you. I need faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. Thank you back there on my right. Yes, another back over there. God bless you. And another, yes. Thank you. And right here in the middle section, yes. Thank you. Over to my left toward the back. Thank you. Way back over there. God bless you. Way back. Several hands back under the balcony there. Praise God, each one of you. Way back by the wall, I see your hand. How many more? Yes, thank you. Back over here. Jesus loves you. All you have to do is believe this gospel. It's the best thing I've ever seen. And I'll tell you, after many years, I, I can say this with confidence. It works. It works. It's never let me down. I've never been afraid of a crack in it. It's firm. It's sure. How many more? I want to be... A Christian, I want to give Christ my life. Yes, back by the wall there. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. And another back over there. Thank you. I see your hand, sir. God bless you. It takes courage for men to raise their hand. There are many men raising their hand. I'm grateful. God bless you back here. Thank you. Jesus loves you so much. We're taking a step of faith. While our heads are still bowed and these folk have raised their hand, could I ask you to do what I've suggested is necessary from the Scripture today? Get up out of your seat and walk down this aisle toward me where my staff will be here to greet you. I want to pray with you right up here in front. All of you raised your hand. Will you just rise and come walking down the aisle? I, I've got some material I want to give you before you go too. So I need you down here. Just a step of faith. Not to embarrass you. Not at all. We love you. We... We really care about you. I see a brother coming who gave his life to Christ this past week. Very good to see you. God bless you, buddy. Just come on. You raised your hand, or if you didn't, you need Christ. Just get up and come. God bless you. Are coming from up there in the balcony as well. Praise the Lord for this sight. Look up, church, and rejoice with me, would you, that God is working in hearts this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand together, please, throughout the sanctuary. And if you have a need, if the Spirit of God has been touching you during this service, encouraging your faith, take a step. You need to come down for anything. You step out. The miracles of God can be wrought and performed here in these moments. Heavenly Father, I pray with this great congregation today that your Spirit will move powerfully, that these who have come forward will know they've passed from death unto life, that Jesus Christ is real, that He is in their life today, and their name is written down in heaven's book. 
Lord, I pray that others who have not come forward but who have spiritual need will take a step of faith today and know that Jesus is working and undertaking. Those who are in financial straits, those who are in marital difficulty, those who are struggling in areas of their life, I say, Lord, loose them. Loose them and let them go. May they be free to serve you, free to live, free to rejoice in the provisions of God for their life. And I thank you, Lord, that you're doing that now. I praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Jesus is all we need, isn't he? And he's here. Bless his holy name. Take the word of God with you today and live it out. Let's be a people of faith. Let us say to the world, he's alive. See his mighty acts and his works. And let's testify of it by being back tonight, being faithful to God's program, giving him the time he deserves. God bless you. I love you and thank God for you. ask you to move with me in all that God is saying to the church today.